Welcome to Tusker Talk, a podcast from Somer Schools. I'm Amanda Bergen, the district's communications coordinator, and it's Thursday, March 18th, and we have another superintendent's update today. Also joining us is the middle school principal, Jeff Getman, because we're going to talk a little bit today about the re-entry of our 7th through 12th graders. Um, but first, we're going to start uh, talking about the 40 developmental assets survey that 6th through 12th graders have been taking over the past week. So, Ray, we've gotten a few questions from parents about that survey. Um, do you want to tell me a little bit about the, the purpose behind that survey? So the survey really helps us to um, help monitor and, and track our students' social, emotional, and wellness as we look at our programs. So in this particular case, and the one before the administration of this assessment, we work with our Partners in Prevention uh, Communities uh, program that's focused in on having students make healthy and wise decisions. So this is a part of the grant that we are able to access and get here. Those grant dollars bring things to us like the student assistant counselor and such. Um, it does help us look at how our students are doing in the classrooms, and frankly, not just the classroom, but in their life in general. And so uh, we get um, that information, how often students are doing homework at home, how often they are perhaps engaged in um, unhealthy habits or healthy habits. So it's uh, intended to be uh, developing the idea about 40 positive assets that a student can have in their lives. And so we try to monitor and track those positive assets. and and see if programs we can put in place to help improve those assets is there. There's some pretty tough questions in this survey. Mr. Getman, you come to this not only as the principal of the middle school, but also as a guidance counselor in your past life. Yes, and we certainly all know the importance of trying to measure our students' attitudes and behaviors, and, and hopefully in finding out what our students are saying and what they're thinking, we can help plan programs to keep kids safe. As we prepare to administer the survey or think about how to administer the survey, our Drug-Free Communities Committee really did grapple with whether or not we should include all of the questions um, that are a part of the survey, especially for our students in, in sixth grade. We, we, we did. We, we had a lively conversation and ultimately decided that it's important to include all of the information, all of the questions in the survey. And if we didn't, we felt like as a district, we'd be avoiding some of the difficult topics that we know um, our students are can be struggling with and, and can be a part of our community. So um, ultimately, we, we believe that including all of the questions from the survey to hear what our kids are thinking and what they're doing was, was really important. From a guidance counselor's perspective, is it possible that introducing these topics to some of the kids could cause them to engage in dangerous behaviors? No, we don't, we don't believe that just reading about those topics would encourage students to, to engage in risky behaviors. Um, to the contrary, though, we do believe that it is important to start to measure those attitudes and behaviors and to really be upfront and say what is happening in our community so that we can face those issues directly. So Amanda, really in this survey, yes, we're talking today, certainly understanding about risk behaviors, like you had mentioned before. I do want to note that the reality is, is there's thriving indicators that we're looking for in this area as well. So we get that information back, like student success in school, they're helping others, value and diversity in their lives, overcoming adversity. And so when we look at those, we want to come from a, basically an assets-based orientation, so from a positive lens. 
So in the past, we've taken this information. We have gone ahead and had kind of building and community-based conversation about where does this mean to us we should be moving forward. So I anticipate that in the fall, as we come out of this pandemic piece, we'll bring this information back to our community and again, facilitate those conversations. So it's not too far away, but think about, so what does that mean for us in the 2030 school year? So revisiting, reconnecting on our mission and our vision and our values based upon this information. There's a lot in here and a lot will help us drive to, so what should and could our school district look like in the year 2030? And how do we go ahead and support our children, our families and our community to meet this new target? There's been a lot of discussion during the pandemic about children's social, emotional, and physical health. Will the results of this survey help us moving forward? Absolutely, and that'll help us tie into where we may see some needs. You had mentioned you know, the reality of the mental health that we know, not just here, across our entire country, and frankly, the world is causing us challenges. So how can we best support our children? These are our students in our schools. It may be different, it is different from the neighbors next door. So things like we brought on board with programs specific to uh, suicide and suicide prevention and how do you help peers helping peers in those conversations. So those are the kind of programs and experiences we wanna make sure our children have. Yes, as we, we talk about that these are challenging and very, very difficult questions, yet by not asking them does not make the reality go away. If parents are interested in learning about the results of the survey or the overview, because it is anonymous, yes. how can they find out about the results? So once we get those results, that does take some time to bring that information back. Our partners in prevention will be kind of sharing that out at a high level from their perspective, I would say probably in May or June timeframe. As a school district, we will be probably starting the school year with that in the fall from all of those different areas from those thriving behaviors as well as some of those at-risk behaviors. So that would be a piece we will bring in the fall and certainly we'll have that information and any of the presentation material up available on our website. Okay, thank you. So shifting topics, let's talk a little bit about re-entry, bringing our seventh through 12th graders back in full time. The middle school had a question and answer session last night. Uh, how, many, how many families or people were on that? Yeah, we were just over 140. Jeff, what were some of the, the big questions last night? I think some of the big questions were what our schedule will look like. Um, so we will keep a, a pretty similar schedule, but a big change for us at the middle school is our sixth grade classes will go from meeting in two different classrooms in smaller groups because they've been in every day to meeting in one classroom. Um, so that'll be kind of a new classroom community for those sixth graders. We will also allow kids to change classes. So where we've been kind of holding kids in the same class for most of the day, big change for us is kids will be changing classes similar to they would as they would in a normal school year. So I do remember one of the questions at that point was, um, is there any danger in virus transmission as they're passing in the hallways? So what we've been told really for that virus transmission, you need an extended time where you're um, near someone. So passing time is a short amount of time where kids pass in the hallway. Maybe they walk a little ways together, but not long enough where that transmission could happen. And I know they've been doing that at the high school the whole year. Correct. They've been changing classes. Absolutely. Okay. Other high-level issues that came up last night? 
Um, a lot of questions about lunch and what that will look like. So our lunch periods will stay pretty typical. Kids will stay six feet apart. We won't have barriers on the desks. We're going to um, add some outdoor seating so that kids will have an option to go outside. Um, but basically half of the grade will eat while the other half is at recess and then they will flip. So uh, lunch will look similar in a sense to what we do in a typical school year, but certainly kids will be spaced further apart. Um, but our schedule will remain the same. We will have barriers on all of our desks inside the classroom. That is a change. Those barriers and desks will be will be cleaned nightly. Uh, that's not something that we'll do in between classes, similar to what the high school has been doing all year. Uh, if kids want to bring clean, you know, their own supplies in to, to clean their space, they're certainly welcome to, to do that. There's another meeting tonight for the high school, right, Ray? Yes, tonight we have the meeting at the high school, 7 o'clock. And uh, obviously very similar, yet there's always enough differences be, uh, between the two schools. So Mr. Bear and myself and his team will be there to hopefully uh, address any questions. And I'm sure just like last night, there'll be some things we can learn and adjust. So as we get ready to start welcoming our students uh, fully back in person after break. And for anybody who missed the middle school question and answer session on Wednesday night, the 17th, it will be posted on the district's Facebook page to watch the video in full. Ray, is there any update on the number of staff and faculty members or district employees who have been vaccinated? Uh, I would say the biggest update there is we have uh, reached over 80% of our employees who have it, at least their first shot in there. The second shot will be um, over the spring break, and so after that break we'll have over 80% of those individuals who have received their vaccination shot. We continue to uh, offer those folks who for whatever reason that they had maybe missed it beforehand chances to go ahead and get those shots. All right so when we come back from spring break give me the rundown of the options available to 7th through 12th graders. So really and it would include 6th grade too for whatever reason if families wanted to pivot from where they're at now basically you're, you're you'll be in person fully in school every day or you'll be at home fully every day but there'll be an option for a hybrid transition so over a few days or actually through the month of April if families choose they want to watch and observe for whatever reason or modify their life a little bit so it could make that easier on the families they'll have that time to do that. And by what date will all students need to choose remote or in school? So we're looking at that May 3rd after uh, the uh, that first Monday in May and with that we would we always know that there's going to be uh, um, managing by exception here. So the reality is is that we would just continue to ask those families to reach out to the building administration for those individual conversations so we can handle those respectfully and appropriately for those families. Okay. All right. Thanks for the update. We'll talk again next week. All right. Thanks, Amanda.